on to the dogs, your fortnightly dose of greyhound racing interviews, insights and a whole lot more with your hosts, Joe Andrews and Danny Jackson. Welcome to episode 16 of Gone to the Dogs. As always, I am Danny Jackson and my co-pilot is... It's Joe Andrews. Hello, Danny. It's been a while. It has, yeah. I mean, we did six on the bounce, so I thought with you jetting off to Uganda, we'd just have a little bit of a break. Yeah, it was it was needed, really, wasn't it? But we're back now, better than ever. We're refreshed. I had, we... I had nine hours sleep last night. That is a record with a little baby. I'll take wow. that any day of the week. So, uh, yeah, all good. What good. have you been up to? What have I been up to? Uh, work, 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 pretty much. Oh, and I saw mum a little bit because she was down from Scotland. So she, yeah, she came and bothered me for a couple of days. No, she was great. We went to the lakes. We went shopping. I spent a fortune on my little sister because now apparently at nearly 13, she's decided to be a fashionista. So we went to Urban Outfitters and bought the shop. But, uh, Joe, what have you been up to, apart from sleeping well? Uh, well, I haven't been sleeping well all the time, but um, things are getting better. No, just not much, really. Just working and looking after little Liv. Um, you know, she takes up a lot of my time when I'm not working. So, uh, But nothing exciting, to be honest. Nothing well, what, exciting whatsoever. You know what? I think the Gone to the Dogs podcast fans want to know, when is there going to be a lively Liv on a card? Well, that's one thing I have been doing in my spare time, actually, is reading and, and educating myself on greyhound breeding. So I've been mm-hmm. reading some articles, looking at certain lines and things like that, asking stupid questions of people like Nathan Corden, Phil Milner, Pete Richardson as well. I've been chatting to him about um, greyhound breeding, been recommended some nice literature. Um, so I've got a book about horse breeding, but obviously hoping that that will tie into to the greyhound side of things and, and all They're that. They're both because... the same, obviously. <laughs> Well, there's, I think the theories are similar, you know, with, yeah. with uh, breeding a top thoroughbred or, a, you know, a top greyhound. So we're not buying any more dogs at the moment. But, you know, the whole plan was to get some bitches that are nicely bred, that will be good on the track, hopefully, and then breed from them. So already got one eye on on doing that, certainly with Lively D first, I imagine. But she's not long come out of season, so it'll probably be in 12 months time. But I want to make sure everything's planned out. I've I've spoke to Shane Dowling actually and just said because that because D and Lauren are, were bred by the by the Ballymac boys. Mm. Just said you know what would you do? I've I've done a lot of sire research, but he recommended Ballymac cash out. Now I've been looking Ooh. into it, and I think that probably is a really good idea. And who am I to argue with with Shane Dowling? To be honest, so I I think we might send D to Ballymac cash out when the time is right, and there might be a little lively live um, coming out of that. So. Well, what I was going to say is surely if Lively Lauren's going to have pups, you need a Lively Liv out of Lively Lauren. That is a good point, actually. I hadn't even <laughs> thought of that. That is that is true, actually, yeah. It's got to be done. Gotta yeah, be that done. makes sense. I didn't think of that. Thank God we had this chat. <laughs> right, we've got to catch up on a fair bit of news, haven't we? Because we've yeah. been off for three weeks, um, not having a holiday. Apart from the fact that Joe went to Uganda. Anyway, that wasn't a holiday. <laughs> yeah, you tell that to everyone. Uh, we're going to talk, obviously, Derby night, Derby finals night, the Greyhound Derby. I mean, gay time Nemo. I think everyone on our podcast overlooked his chance of winning. They said he was going to run well. I don't think anyone put him up for a win. And he absolutely flew out those boxes like lightning. 
Yeah, again, you know, it was one at the start, wasn't it? He got out well, and he's a good enough dog. Whereas if he, you know, if he was a few lengths clear at the first bend, it's unlikely they're going to catch him because he put in some good times and performances in his own right. And I think the reason he may be overlooked because Graham Holland had three in the race, and obviously there were two two more fancied than him. So uh, he he was overlooked. I imagine it was a decent enough winner for the for the bookies on the night, but he was absolutely superb. And we'd also talked about Sword Rex and it, you know, model of consistency up to the Derby final. But you've got to do it on the night. And it was the one night he, he didn't trap as well as he could. And uh, it was really all over at the start. So, you know, you can be great throughout a competition. But if you don't do it on finals night, it is irrelevant. I mean, it it's is. good to get there, obviously. I'd love to have a Derby finalist. But uh, what about three? <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Gaytime Nemo was was brilliant. And all the finalists were, uh, you know, they all deserve to be there. And um, brilliant journeys for for the owners and trainers. Um, you know, f- fantastic. And, and um yeah, good. It was it was a great night, and obviously Danny, our favourite. What a win from Space Jet in the Durando oh. to finish off the, the the card. She is just absolutely sensational. I wasn't there, and I've heard all the reports of the fact that Space Jet actually had the biggest cheer when she got up on the line, bigger than the Greyhound Derby champion Gaytime Nemo. Um, we had um a tweet in yesterday that said. Something along the lines of, do they tell Space Jet where the line is in every race? Because no matter what distance she runs over, she gets up on the line. Well, she did it in the the Regency over six bends on, yeah. on Saturday, didn't she? She just, she, she knows where, where the line is. And- I love her. And I really, really wish I could go to the Regency. Well, hopefully final if she gets there a week on Saturday. But I'm in Scotland. I was fuming, you know, and you're like, I've got a day off. Oh, I don't have a day off. I'm in Scotland, so I can't go. Uh, but I want to see her at some point this year. So that is my main aim, to see my girl Space Jet in action, in full flight, weaving through the pack. I've got to see her. I, well, can't, I, was, I can't not. I was lucky enough to see her in uh, Matt's last week because I went to see my dogs on the way to the airport, uh, Lauren yeah. and Savannah, which was great. So I saw Space Jet. She just had a swim and a clean, um, <laughs> and she looked absolutely 10 out of 10 in immaculate conditions. We've had... Uh, published some greyhound data on injuries joe yeah the 2022 uh stats from the gbgb finally came out um the the numbers went in the right way again um, we had 99 dogs sadly um put down at the the track um, but as we all know you know this isn't a risk-free sport the, these things are going to happen when dogs any dogs are running you know, there's, there's going to be injuries, especially sight hounds, whether that be on the track or away from the track, but at least they're running on a prepared surface with a vet present if anything were to go wrong. And and I think, you know, to me, when you're assessing the risk and dangers of greyhound racing, the, the dogs that are put down on the track really is the true measure because those are the ones directly associated with, with greyhound racing yeah. and the risks involved. So to see that number dip below 100, and and obviously less than 2021 was a positive, but at the same time, we need to work to make sure that that number is getting as close to zero as possible. And it keeps going down, whether that be track preparation, the the, the grading of dogs, you know, the veterinary care on the, on the site, you know, we, we need to keep striving for better. And as an industry, I think, you know, we are doing that and the stats show it. The, the only thing I would like to see is, is injury stats by track. 
um, and drilling down the data just a little mm. further. It's not a finger pointing exercise or anything like that. But if you truly want to improve welfare standards, you know, if there's a track that maybe is a little bit worse than another, then surely we can learn that, the, you know, learn stuff from the track that's doing it best and understanding why they might be having fewer in injuries than another track. So I think to go that one step further, I would like to see a little bit more granular detail about, you know, where these where these injuries are happening and, and accidents and, and seeing if we can make things better by, by looking at it by track that's all well to be fair the data's got to be there it must it's be just there, a yeah. case they must of have putting it. it together yeah and, and publishing basic. it yeah, yeah. And, and using it i mean they might be using it at the moment but if they are for transparency and, and for welfare i don't know why they wouldn't publish it and tell us you know what they're doing to improve welfare by track uh right we've got a bit of good news as well with um I'm going to say gone to the dogs, pioneering people trying to get on uh, social media and talking about the Greyhound world. I'm joking, of course, <laughs> but we have got some vlogs kicking off at the moment, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good vlogs at the minute. If you want to take a little peek behind the scenes at Greyhound Kennels and see what's going on, there, there's two at the moment. So the trainer Adam Sear, he's got some brilliant, really, really interesting vlogs that you can find on YouTube. So search for him. I've retweeted a few of them and he, he's on Twitter as well. But um, just just excellent insight about what he does you know, the training and walking and feeding, you know, going to the tracks, the races, you know, seeing how much he cares for his dogs. He's only got a small kennel, um, but the love he has for for, for his dogs and, and racing is there to see. So please go and see that. They're excellent. And Tom Helbron as well has just released some vlogs as well. I think he's on episode four or five now, but just about his kennels, about his dogs, you know, about racing. They're just really good, again, behind the scenes that you might not see. Um, unless you own dogs in a, in a kennel, and even if you do, there's some just some fantastic insight there. So um, go and see them. I mean, and Adam did does say about you know podcasts coming out and stuff like that as to why he's you know wanted to put some some content out there. So the more content out there, the better. The more that people can see our great game, the better. You know, sneak peek behind the scenes. It's all great content. Please go and support it and watch it and enjoy it. We'll put the links actually to both vlogs on our show note and another. Another feel-good story is one of our previous guests uh, in Grace Wilson. She has won an award recently. She has, yeah. Grace, who joined us in episode six, obviously, about young people in the sport, um, which was a really good episode. So go and check that out if you if you haven't already. But fantastic news. Well done, Grace. Um, she entered a BBC writing competition where she wrote about greyhounds and, and the greyhound racing world. And she's actually won um, the Young Reporter 2023 for her, for her region. Um, which was, you know, brilliant achievement. It's great to have. We know, look, we know Grace is really passionate about racing. That <laughs> shines through. She loves it. It's brilliant to see. It's great that she chose to write about ground racing and enter this competition. And she's only gone and bloody won it. So, uh, you know, for for her area. So, congratulations to Grace. Um, well done. You know, absolutely superb. So, well done, Grace. And uh, can't wait to see what else you've got up your sleeve. And Joe, we've had a little bit of breaking news from Ark. We have, yeah. Apparently, well, not apparently, they have applied <laughs> uh, to put a greyhound track in Wolverhampton Racecourse and build kennels and associated infrastructure. So a really interesting development. I think we've heard for years now that Perry Bar could be on its way out. There's planning permission for 660 houses on the site. It's right in the middle of a residential area. So it's, you know, very valuable real estate. Mm. Um, so I think ARC have got one eye on that closing now um, and they want to build something in, in Wolverhampton. So it's really interesting. It's, it's quite exciting. The only thing is, is it's like three miles away from Monmore. So I'm not sure how it's going to work with, 
with the proximity to that, you know, hopefully you can get some of the horse racing crowd that go uh, into into greyhound racing and cross sell the sports. Um, you know, they, they're going to lose the Perry Bar fixtures anyway, so I don't think it's going to be any additional fixtures in terms mm. of the schedule. Um, and obviously, Entain own Monmore anyway, which is a completely separate organisation to ARC, even though they're working together with the Premier Greyhound Racing Company next year. You know, yeah. they're, they're still separate entities. So, you know, the, 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 having Monmore and Wolverhampton in close proximity, you know, isn't really of interest to either organisation. As long as there's going to be dogs in the kennel strength to, to run the fixtures, then, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one to keep an eye on. And it, as I said, it's, it's quite exciting. It is, and, you know, we could follow the Irish model at Dundalk as well because they have a Friday evening meeting in the winter followed by Friday dogs. It's, it's an interesting development, as I said, and, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how we get on. It, it's in the very early stages. Obviously, they've asked for, they've, they, you know, asked for planning permission and, and stuff like that, but they seem pretty pretty optimistic that, that there shouldn't be any problems. I mean, it's smack back in, it bang in the middle of, a, of an existing race course. It's not like they want to build a, a track in the middle of, a, you know, a housing development, you know, reverse Perry Bar. But And now that we're back in action here on Gone to the Dogs, what a way to start our interviews once again. We've got a cracker coming up with Lord David Lipsy. Let's dive in. <laughs> So we have Lord Lipsy, a.k.a. David, joining us on the Gone to the Dogs podcast. Lord Lipsy, thank you so, so much for joining us. I know your time is precious. We've got a few good questions for us, but thank you so much for giving up your time. None of my time is as well used as what I'm trying to do my best to help to greyhound racing. Fantastic to hear. Now, can you tell us about your journey into greyhound racing from the beginning? And was there a specific greyhound star that made you fall in love with the sport? Well, um, quite a funny story how I got involved. I lived fairly near Wimbledon Dog Track. Um, and in 1976, there was a leadership contest for leader of the Labour Party. And my candidate, Tony Crossland, got just 15 votes. I was totally pissed off. So I thought, where can I go? Which I'm completely certain never to see anyone from politics. I know, Greyhound Racing at Wimbledon. And I got there, and the first person I saw walking down the stairs towards me was a man called Matthew Oakshot, who worked for Crossland's great rival and friend, uh, Roy Jenkins. So he got chatting, he introduced me to a fascinating bookmaker, David Richardson, who was also a fellow on the cello at the Royal College of Music. And um, I learned from the beginning what I love about greyhound racing. You meet all sorts, every kind, and everybody nearly everybody is very nice to everybody sorry and and, and was there any greyhounds um lord lipsy oh, that, that you sort of fell in love with as well while you were there well i'm most in love with my own greyhound park laddie who um turned out to be a very good dog indeed two spots off the track record at wimbledon but then he uh, did a hock and was retired and that was what led to what i do at the moment because the kennel and said, don't you worry, Lord Lipsy, we'll, we'll look after Park Laddie. But some years later, I thought, God, I wonder if he actually did. So I then thought, well, you know, perhaps I can contribute to something here. Got involved in Greyhound Welfare, uh, was on the, uh, what's now the Greyhound Trust, and then 
went on to actually have a job in the industry, as you know, at a later stage. So welfare was my route to getting really involved in greyhound racing. So apart from that initial greyhound, have you owned any more since then? And have you got any retireds at home at all on your sofa? We have, we had have had two retireds. Uh, Zach, who is a beautiful, rather, rather greedy black dog, and Brenda, who we lost a couple of years ago, um, who was a delightful small uh, bitch. And, you know, it's so wonderful having greyhounds for pets. All you have to do is feed them and give them a sofa and stroke them from time to time. 20 minutes walk a day is plenty, and they make the most marvellous companions. Couldn't agree more. And then we'll get to your your role in in Premier Greyhound Racing shortly. But as you've alluded to there, you've you've obviously worked in the industry before before this current role um, at the British Greyhound Racing Board as chairman. So what did that role entail? Well, in those days, there were two main bodies in Greyhound Racing. There was the um, NGRC, which was the regulatory body, and BGRB, British Greyhound Racing Board, which uh, was responsible for promoting the sport and generally um, advancing its interests. And it was BGRB I was chair of. But um, perhaps the thing I did for Greyhound Racing, of which I'm genuinely a bit proud, it was quite lunatic having these two bodies that didn't get on at all. Um, And um, I had the notion of setting up an inquiry into greyhound racing. It was chaired by my colleague, Lord Donoghue, and um, the members included Clarissa Baldwin. Anyway, that inquiry came out with a firm recommendation, as I expected, that these two bodies should amalgamate. And I believe me, the way the sport is run today has been transformed since the days when I first came on board. So that was the start of the Greyhound board as we know it today. One half of the start, the other being the ghastly um, regulator, fortunately now long forgotten. Brilliant. Well, at least uh, at least we got, um, you know, the GBGB coming out of that and everybody seems to be on the same page these days. But we're also really interested, of course, in your role currently, because for those that don't know, just tell us a little bit about Premier Greyhound Racing and what it is that they're setting out to achieve, if you would. Sure. Premier Greyhound Racing's job is to sell media rights to greyhounds. So if you see a picture in the shops, um, if you watch it on your telly at home, the contract will be between the, the track or the owners of the track and PGR, which will then sell the media rights to watch it um, to the highest bidder. We have already got every major bookmaker signed up, and we've also got 14 of the 20 British tracks signed up. So this is going to be the big supplier. I mean, what particularly attracted me to the job, because I'm getting a bit old for this kind of stuff now, what mostly attracted me was that I was told when I was approached we are putting welfare first and your job is to hold the sport's feet to the flame and our company's feet to the flame over welfare. And you can imagine uh, I took to that with great pleasure. 
Excellent. And, and what are your plans for, for Premier Greyhound Racing next year and, and beyond then? I mean, one thing in particular that I know people are, are dying to find out about is the, the DTH, the director home rights and the, and the broadcast side of things. Can you shed a light on that or, or anything else that PGR will be doing differently, you know, to what's happening in Greyhound Racing today? Um, not really, in that the broadcasting strategy is just being finished at the moment by my colleague Mark Kingston. The talks have not yet been concluded, and I'm afraid it wouldn't be possible to intrude into them. But there is going to be huge availability of Greyhound Racing, both on telly and you know, through all these bookmakers' shops. Um, and um, as we look forward, we're hoping that we will not only have an effective monopoly of Greyhound Racing seen in Britain, but also a worldwide enterprise. So British Greyhound Racing, which is one of the better Greyhound Racings in the world, will be seen in, I don't know, Singapore, Australia, those states of America that haven't abolished it. It will be seen in all those places, and I hope that will lead to a huge boom in the popularity of the sport. Yeah, that's what we need, isn't it? Because we look at the Australian model and you can see the difference with the the atmosphere there. All of the, you know, the commentaries are absolutely electric and it just seems to be a real, everybody gets behind the greyhound racing industry over in Australia. It seems like everybody's, um, not everybody, but a lot of people are supportive of it. And over here, we kind of hide in the shadows a little bit. So is that your plan, you know, for PGR to kind of, bring it to the wider public with the positives of welfare. I very much hope so. It's positive of welfare and the positive of more promotion, which Greyhound Racing hasn't done anything like enough of. I, I like you, admire the Australian model and um, Arena Racing, one of the companies that owns us, has just brought over a very fine man from Australia to bring his expertise into the international marketing of the sport. Uh, meanwhile, my man, excellent managing director, Gary Nash, and I are always watching Australian racing or British racing and thinking how the broadcasting can be improved. I mean, I know that um, money is a factor in the quality of broadcasting, but there are some things that aren't too expensive, and we hope to transform the quality of the broadcasting as well as producing an awful lot of it. So as, as well as the marketing aspect and promoting the sport, which is something Danny and I talk about all the time on this on this podcast, and we wish, you know, people would do a lot more. Certainly now we've got the welfare at a certain, you know, a certain level. What about getting people through the doors at your venues um, in, in the UK? Have you got any plans to to get people there and watching racing in person? Yes, well, that, that's the, that was the purpose. We had a big seminar of all the top people recently on the promoting of Greyhound Racing. And there are all sorts of things that we're going to try to get our tracks. We can't order our tracks to do it, but get our tracks to do to bring more people through the door. I mean, when I first went to Wimbledon, there were three bookmakers standing on the first bend. Huge number in the main ring huge number on the cheap side as it was called um and um uh, you just don't get that now the one or two tracks that do i was up in sheffield um earlier this year and the atmosphere at sheffield was wonderful and you had everything from 
one-year-old children to an 80-year-old man celebrating his birthday and the atmosphere was electric. And I'm afraid that's true of too few tracks and we certainly hope to transform that in the course of our ownership of the meteorites. Sounds great because I know I've been to a few tracks commentated. I've been to the likes of Harry Barr, I've been to Kinsley, I've been to uh, Sheffield, I've been all over the place and Sheffield is a standout for me um, yeah. in terms of the atmosphere and yeah, I, I just think if more tracks followed their model, I've not been to all the tracks, so I can't speak for every track, obviously, but if more tracks, certainly up north that I've been to, followed their their model, then we'd have a much more successful product. Yeah, I don't think Sheffield's alone. I think Hove mm. is a wonderful track, and apart from the fact they have banning demonstrators outside once a week, um, produces wonderful racing, Rumford, I could, could go on, Perry... Perry Bar and Monmore aren't half bad. So there, there, there are some very good tracks. There are some uh, much poorer tracks. Fortunately, those tracks are taking the competitive service to ours, SIS, and um, whether they will be able to compete once we've got our act fully together is a question to which I won't venture an answer now. I have my own views, but I'm going to keep them quiet. <laughs> Well, we'll have to get you back on the podcast next year then when it all <laughs> <Thank> kicks off. <laughs> now, you've already mentioned welfare, David, and, and that's how you got into the sport really through through that angle. And we know it's really important to you. Um, standards have improved immeasurably in, in welfare, um, even since I started watching the sport relatively recently. How do you feel about where we are now and what more can be done to improve the the welfare side of things, in your opinion? Well, we're, as you say, a phenomenal amount further forward. When I took over at GBGB, only one dog in six was rehomed after racing. The new stats out from the GBGB have shown that 95, 95% of dogs are now being rehomed. There may be challenges with COVID and the cost of living crisis, but it's been transformed and the injury rate has come rocketing down. So the number of dogs killed in the race now is only three in 10,000 runs, three in 10,000 runs. So that, that has been transformed. The GBGB has an excellent uh, plan called A Good Life for Every Greyhound, being drawn up with the highest veterinary advice. Um, we at PGR have Clarissa Baldwin, who is a former CEO of Dogs Trust as a full non-executive member of our board and she has tremendous expertise. I can't sort of, the list of things we're going to change is a very long one and you'll see those coming into effect as you go around tracks going into the future. Everything from improving rehoming to improving the conditions in greyhound trainers, kennels, to increasing the presence of vets on track. Uh, sorry, every track has a vet, but improving facilities for vets on tracks. Uh, it will be a very different sport welfare-wise in, say, five years' time. And on the rehoming issue, David, you touched on it there. I think most people in greyhound racing, fans, owners and trainers alike, would say that's probably the number one issue at the moment. And of course, it's not something that's exclusive to greyhound racing, um, but it's being made worse you know, by the fact that there's lots of dogs now that have been given to homing centres and people can't afford to keep them. Have you got any opinions on that and any, you know, any solution that you can see to that? Well, in the short run, um, we've done amazingly well. I mean, we were rehoming more dogs despite COVID and the cost of living crisis last year. This is 
incredible. I thought the figure, frankly, I privately thought the figures would crash, and they haven't. So that's a wonderful uh, base from which to uh, work. Um, there's a lot of work to be done developing rehoming uh, facilities attached to tracks. Most of them have an organization doing it, and they're actively present promoting what they do um, on the tracks. But uh, rehoming is by no means the only thing. One of the main things is uh, the safety of the running surface. Um, PGR tracks have had to get rid of Speedway at at least two tracks, um, one more on Sheffield's coming, um, because the Speedway threw up nasty bits of plastic that hurt the dogs. Um, I've got nothing against Speedway, Speedway apart from the first bike around the first bend always wins but uh, uh, you just couldn't allow that to happen and that's these are all single specific things we can do they all add a little bit more icing on the cake and it'll be a very splendid cake when it's fully baked it sounds like it's going to be absolutely amazing and on the speedway as well i was speaking to people and they were asking me why is speedway stopped at monmore i can't see what is is the Greyhound racing going to stop at Monmore now that the Speedway stopped? And I'm like, no idea, do not know, not committing to anything, haven't got a clue. So great well, to you, see that the you welfare... Know that, you know now why we were forced to do it. And I know mm. there was a lot of local reaction. I totally sympathise with that. But why we were first to do it, forced to do it. And of course, by having done it and endured the unpopularity, we make the survival of Greyhound racing at Monmore even more certain because of the uh, better tracks we can now provide. Brilliant, because I know at Sheffield, uh, there's always been the slight contention of when the Speedway starts up the season. Uh, there yeah. seems to be a little bit of a spike, doesn't there, in, in certain injuries. So, Well, not anymore, there's not going to be. Good. <laughs> there isn't going to be any Speedway. <laughs> Fantastic yes. news. I think there'll be plenty of people rejoicing after hearing that. Um now, when it comes to the funding of greyhound racing, do you think that a compulsory greyhound levy for the sport is achievable, and why? Um, it, it's completely impossible that we get a compulsory levy. The, the there is a compulsory levy in horse racing, mm. but that was to do with the particular circumstances which arose where horse racing was robbed of its main income when the betting shops were allowed to open for people to punt on gray on horse racing and so the, the levy compulsory levy was introduced for that reason uh, there are all sorts of reasons why it won't happen in greyhound racing it would require primary legislation and it's hard to see a government that will give priority to that over all the other things it wants to do um though we're working hard on this, our support in the two Houses of Parliament is not such that they're going to go trooping through the lobbies happily introducing a compulsory levy. Having said that, so far we've made the voluntary levy um, work quite well. I was called in by two in 2016 by the then Minister Tracy Crouch, who is a great sports minister, to ask me to reach a voluntary agreement between Greyhound Racing and the bookmakers to increase the amount of money going into the sport. And we went up from something just above 2 million to something just below eight, sorry, 6 million, to something uh, just below 8 million. It's gone off a bit because of COVID and so on. 
Um, I've suggested to the minister actually only this week that he looks at whether there's a SIP model available that based perhaps on what we used in 2016 to get the amount of money up. But you know, the world is the world. There'll never be as much money as I and the GBGB would like, and it'll always be more money than the bookmakers uh, happily cough up. Um, with all these things, it's compromise and cooperation that gets you through. The sport is under attack at the moment, isn't it? We all know it. We've seen it. I've, I've um, had the misfortune of listening to the debates in the Welsh and Scottish Parliament. So I, I say d- debates in, in inverted commas. Um, as someone directly involved in politics, how do you feel about these discussions? Um, and is regulated greyhound racing in Britain under threat at the moment? Well, I'll come back to Scotland and Wales, but in England, there is no chance, absolutely no chance of a ban on greyhound racing, provided we keep working at welfare. I say that with some certainty. Um, I've talked this week to the minister, to the shadow minister, both have said that they have no intention of banning it. They both said there is no pressure to ban it. This is an extremely silly campaign started by the RSPCA Dogs Trust and Blue Cross. Um, they must have felt short of publicity, but the only publicity they got was one paragraph in the Racing Post. Um, I think that if their members thought about it for a single minute, you see, they say they want to phase out greyhound racing. Well, when a track shuts, what's going to happen to the greyhounds who race there? There won't necessarily be spaces at other tracks for them. So mass euthanasia is the likely outcome of their policy. As I say, I don't worry too much about it because it ain't going to happen. Um, final point to make, you will remember that Tony Blair's government abolished fox hunting. Mm. Um, now, Tony himself has said that that was a disastrous mistake. But there is one big difference between fox hunting and greyhound racing. Fox hunting is, they'll excuse my word, and I'm here after all, a knob sport. You know, you have to have lots, loads of money and loads of horses and that. Greyhound racing has its roots right back as a popular sport, and it's still the fifth most popular sport in the in the country. And certainly my own party, the Labour Party, is not going to want to declare war on the very people it's hoping will vote for it at the next general election. So after a good deal of hard work by both GBG and by PGR, I think we're now, fingers crossed as always, very safe on that. Well, that's good to hear, especially as it's unlikely that we're going to have this government in, you know, a couple of years time that you've spoken to the shadow minister and, and your peers in the Labour Party and you know very much in favour of, of greyhound racing, keeping keeping it as it is. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's right. There's never any risk of the Tories abolishing it because they're a party that declares itself to be in favour of freedom. I think there could have been a risk from the Labour Party. I now think and again fingers crossed that that has been forestalled fantastic what about the welsh and the scottish side of things though they're having a a little bit of a moment aren't they with um, the petitions going around i live in wales so uh, and um, i've been to valley the uh, welsh track which is trying to convert into a regulated track fact of the matter is that it doesn't cost a welsh politician or a scots politician very much to say we'll abolish Greyhound racing, I mean, Valley isn't racing at the moment, I don't think, because they're doing up the track. Thornton in Scotland is 
um, not in a very healthy state. Shawfield, the last regulated track in Scotland, closed quite recently. So it's a free hit for the uh, uh, members of the Senate and of the Scottish Parliament. Um, free hit because nobody in Wales or Scotland loses much by banning it and they get all these uh, soppy people. It's actually very interesting, however, that the Welsh petition to ban greyhound racing around half the signatures were people who didn't live in Britain at all. Uh, this is due to the activities of the welfare charities in America, which have mostly got rid of greyhound racing in America and were flogging this um, petition around the world. Meanwhile, Valley itself, under the remarkable Malcolm terms, got 10,000 signatures all of them from Welsh and English people saying, keep greyhound racing. So I hope that some of those senators may think again. Certainly I and um, Mark Bird, who runs the GBGP, are going to be at the Royal Welsh Show next week. And we're hoping to meet some members of the Senate there and continue to put the, the case that this is a safe sport for greyhounds, as well as a great pleasure for greyhound lovers. Excellent. And, and and finally, Lord Lipsy, do you have any uh, ambitions of getting back into greyhound racing ownership at the moment? Um, this may sound wimpish, but I'm advised that there are various conflicts that could arise if I actually <laughs> yeah. owned it. I actually had a co-owner line, lined up, uh, Matthew Engel, Britain's greatest sports writer. We were all set for this, but when I looked into the conflicts that would involve, involve I thought it was better not. Um, when I'm retired from this job and if I'm living still, uh, that'll be the time to get back into it. Might get another retired one, don't know. Excellent. Do it. You know, it makes sense. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. <laughs> and um, I was just thinking, you know, the media rights and, and different things, because obviously we've had such a nightmare, really, with all the tracks splitting off into different, um, with the different media companies. And then the schedule just seems to be absolutely jam-packed as well at the moment is pgr looking to streamline the schedule a little bit or is it going to stay pretty much the same as it is now do you know well we still have quite a lot of meetings 59 meetings 54 of which will be what i as an old man still call broadcasting you know what i mean yeah i mean i, I to be quite frank, if you were a normal person and you suddenly said, oh, I want to watch the Greyhound racing tonight, you would not have a clue where to look. I usually rang, ring Gary, my MD, and ask him which button to press. You know, there's Art Racing Post Greyhound Television, there's sporty stuff, um, there's the direct SIS on. It's, it, it, it's impossible mm. to see where you're going. And we hope to have a narrative of where people can watch their Greyhound racing uh, and watch it on good broadcast channels um, so that they can enjoy it and most of all first find it because I've been on Racing Post TV for eight, for, for a year yeah, now yeah. and I've been trying to tell my mum like oh you just need to go on this Sky channel at this time and this is when you well I certainly have nothing against Racing, no. <laughs> Racing Post TV in fact I enjoy watching you on it and um, <laughs> uh, we've got some very good broadcasters my old old friend Tanya Stevenson for example is 
really very good at telly. Mm. Um, we think there is room for improvement to be made. And we think most people will say, well, I've got 54 meetings available through PGR channels. Uh, why do I want to bother with anything else? That does help a bit with the problem we have, which is there is an excess of greyhound racing at the moment. Um, and you see this mostly in the four and five dog races, mm. which are PGR tracks nearly all over the 90%. But the number of four and five dog races you get to see is is uh, worrying. They're not a good betting medium. Um, they're not the same spectator medium. And um, so if one or two tracks do fall by the wayside, and I expect that they will, that will make that side of things much easier to handle. Yeah, because I was looking at the model of the horse racing at the moment, um, and they've trimmed their kind of midweek meetings to six races rather than the seven and the eight that we were seeing, you know, um, last year, the year before. I, and I've put this question to a few people, and I've got a variety of different answers. I don't think anybody really can nail down what would happen if we just trimmed two meet, two races off, you know, the afternoon, the, the, the morning and the afternoon meetings in Greyhound racing, whether that would be able to boost the numbers, leave the evenings as they are, because that's what people enjoy and they can go and watch and you get, you know, more bang for your buck and what have you. But in the, you know, the lunchtime and the afternoon, if you just trimmed a couple, would you, do you agree? Yeah, I can tell you the answer to that. The intention is that each track runs 12 races. So you don't have the giant programs and you don't have the shrunken programs. Now, we can't order the tracks to do that, mm -hmm. um, but we can encourage them to do it. And that to us makes a manageable offering. You'll have a Greyhound race being shown roughly every seven minutes from kickoff in the morning to uh, shut down at night. Um, I think that's an adequate offering in the present state of the sport. But you know the point you make has been taken and we have done something about it yeah jerry's making a good point in in the background we there was a sort of pressure coming up to have a very early morning meeting um uh but this is very unattractive for the trainers and their staff if they're getting up at five in the morning and lots of horse trainers do it but then um i like to think that our trainers care more about their staff uh, than than is true of some of the uh, the horse racing trainers, so um, there won't be early starts. We're able to we'll be able to fill as necessary with Australian greyhound racing and whatever. Um, so there's no peril that we're going to have alarm clocks going off all over the country at five a.m. for poor old greyhound um, yards. Uh, it'll start at the usual at the sensible time. It starts at the moment. Great news. Yeah, because those eight twelves are really fun to commentate when you've just walked out of bed. <laughs> I can imagine, but I've never been asked to commentate yet. <laughs> Maybe that uh, can be arranged. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do not think that would go down very well. With <laughs> I declare the wrong winner in every race. <laughs> oh, it's easier than you think. Don't worry. <laughs> Is there anything else that you wanted to get across, Lord Lipsy? in particular about PGR or anything else, welfare, or, you know, any, any matter that you wanted to discuss or, or talk about? Um, well, we are building up an important set of relationships with those who cover the sport, those who televise uh, the sport, and um, generally to kind of get it the greater prominence that we're 
looking to have as i say we've got a promotion we've started working on the promotion side and have to work closely with the tracks on this um my my hope is that we'll get quite a quick transformation on that you know i wouldn't hazard a number to how many more people will start going greyhound racing but at least it won't be our fault if they don't yeah that's good and i you know as i said promotion is something that it's frustrating at times that the tracks don't do more you know at the local level and at a national level but i think that's sometimes something maybe the gbgb could do at a national level but they just don't have the funding you know if they had a marketing and social yeah. media person doing that all the time um, I think it would benefit the sport, really would. And and to get some coverage, start getting some coverage on, you know, BBC Sport, national newspapers and things like that of the big events. I know there is some at the moment, but I just always think there's more that can be done to promote the stars of the sport, you know, the greyhounds themselves. Precisely. I mean, we put up a lot of money in £20,000 prizes this year as PGR. And so we've got no money coming in yet. And we put up a lot of money to produce really some excellent events events and i think the pgr st ledger is coming up at bellevue if i've remembered rightly which i quite often haven't but i think that's not right. a bellevue i doubt uh, sorry perry bar perry yeah. bar <laughs> i usually go to manchester when i'm trying to go to perry bar <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, we, 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 we've we've sponsored these events really quite he quite heavily um i don't think i th I, I would be quite happy if gbgb is mostly con concentrating on its welfare and um, regulatory role we are a commercial company so there is a payoff from us from money we spend on promotion of one kind or another and believe me we've got a lot of plans so in some in a sense we may turn out to be in the lead on that and uh, we hope the sport will be happy with what we're doing yeah, well, I really look forward to hearing about those plans, in particular the broadcast as well. I think a lot of people are excited to see what's what's going to happen from first of January, twenty twenty four, and um, yeah, we wait with bated breath. Can, when can yeah, we, we expect we these we announcements? We don't want to see, you know, a massacre take place among the existing broadcasters. I mean, we couldn't bear it if Danny wasn't appearing on screen every now and again. <laughs> but um, it, it's it's work in progress. We will fairly shortly, I hope, be able to announce what our broad broadcasting um plan is and then it's a question on working on the details um i'd love to hear more northern voices commenting on greyhound racing well you've not got the heaviest of accents you should hear my wife um <laughs> uh, but uh, you know it, it sometimes feels like many of the people involved are coming from a small area of east london nothing wrong with that but i'd like to see it spread more widely and of course I would say that's because I'm a Labour peer. I'd like to see more diversity in mm. the present in among presenters, uh, which is not our strong point, to put it mildly. Yeah, bang on, <laughs> absolutely spot on. Because so I've been in the broadcasting side for oh, I think it's coming up to nearly twelve years now. So there's, yes. there's yeah, there's a, it's been a long, long time. Um, it's only been the last year, obviously, that I've kicked it up a gear and we're doing the podcast with Joe and yeah. and different yeah. things, but. Yeah, I'd love to see a bit more diversity and um, yeah, and, and on the commentary side as well. I think we need to kick yeah. it up a little bit and just make it a little bit more exciting as well. The, the Aussies are the model, certainly yeah. for the commentary yeah. side of things that I aspire to. And I think we should aspire to as a country. 
I keep saying to the company that it should send Gary and I to Australia for a tour of the Australian greyhound racing scene, <laughs> onto which I could tack a little holiday, perhaps, <laughs> for my wife and myself. I'm not sure I've quite achieved that, but uh, work in progress. Well, aren't you in recess now uh, from from this I week? Won't so. be as soon as that time. Just get yes, pack up. Race. You can get a last minute deal at tomorrow. <laughs> no, it'll be next year because we we. I mean, as you can hear, we've got a pretty full agenda of getting everything in place. Um, when I when I took on this job, um, it was a bits and pieces organisation which used bits and pieces of people in the existing um, in the two owners, but it didn't have much of a structure of its own. And we've gone very systematically through all the things that have to be in place. We've talked about welfare a good deal for example we had to get a schedule together uh, the schedule was a remarkable achievement um the i personally expected that from the moment we put the schedule out my phone would be ringing every five minutes from tracks grumbling that they weren't getting a fair deal i have had not one single complaint and i have heard very good feedback from the tracks who think that we've really got it pretty well right and are happy with it. Of course, it may it may alter around the mar margins as we go along and as other tracks fold up or perhaps come under our orbit. Uh, but basically, so far, so good, which is as much as you can ever say in greyhound racing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just as an example, I was talking to people from Sheffield. They put a poll out because they're doing the Sunday afternoon and it was a poll of um, on Twitter for a carvery or a three course meal. And I think the carvery won by a landslide. So <laughs> I think there's plans at the Owlison maybe to put a carvery on on a Sunday afternoon and some open yeah. racing as well. So yeah, I think I think the schedule from, from who I've spoken to and, and the tracks I've been to, they seem very happy with it. So yeah, we have to cater for the veggies too. The <laughs> veggies among the generation that early hand racing is going to need in 20 years time. Vegetarianism is very, very common and of course it has the right vibes from a welfare point of view too so it is important that's what i mean by divert diversity that the tracks cater for everybody good that's what we need we need to attract you know the people that are sitting at home and not really they've never been to a track maybe they've only seen it on the yeah. little screen and and from commentating on different things on a little screen to on a big track and seeing yeah. them in person and seeing the athletes that we absolutely love, you know, the likes of Space Jet, Gay Time Nemo that just won the Greyhound Derby. There is nothing more exciting than being there at the rail as they fly past you. Yeah. And, you know, you don't have to go a lot of times to get more pleasure out of watching it at home. Mm. Um, so, you know, you want people who are doing both. I'm not against people watching it at home because with any luck we'll have a bet and with any luck that will increase the amount of revenue that comes into our company, uh, much of which, of course, will be going in the welfare direction. Mm. Yeah, Gary's there's one more point about the schedule, which is that we are having many more meetings on a Friday and Saturday when, let's face it, is the time most people actually want to go out. And we hope that will help us again in getting the people in. I mean, you're, you're never going to get anybody at um, Hove on a Monday morning. No, that's true. And on a Friday and Saturday, are there plans to maybe push the time, the start time 
uh, back a little bit because I know we're the six o'clock slightly. We're flexing the, the start times. That's right, isn't it? We're flexing the start time so there will be more variety. Some may start earlier, some may end later. Um, and of course, the data we get from doing that and how it's working will be uh, very valuable to us going forward on the schedule. Fantastic. So a work in progress that's not fixed in stone and we're, we've got a bit of flexibility and a bit of leeway in there. Yeah, yeah. But when, when what the, the big change, when I joined Greyhound Racing, you have never seen a more conservative sport. Getting the promoters to do anything was a nightmare. Getting the structure looked at was a nightmare. And the way the tracks were run uh, was not what it is today. Today, uh, the people running the tracks, very often young people who didn't go to university, but I've got fantastic talent. I mean, I'm just knocked out by them the whole time. Um, and um, the whole attitude of conservatism to me has diminished quite considerably. People are willing to contemplate change and change is what we're going to give them. Fantastic. Thank you very much indeed, Lord Lipsy, for your time oh, you. this morning. It's been a wonderful conversation and we hope to have you on again next year when everything's kicked off with the PGR. Yep. Can we have you back on? At your disposal. Fantastic. <laughs> great fun to do. Brilliant. Thanks, Thank Lord Lipsy. So really appreciate your time um, and enjoy recess. <laughs> I'm hoping to get that far. Only four more days to go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's all sounding very, very positive from a Premier Greyhound racing front. As we've just heard from Lord Lipsy, we only had a limited time. He was in the House of Lords and we didn't quite get to all the questions um, on social media. But we, I think we've managed to cover most of what we wanted to, to hear uh, from Lord Lipsy. So I hope you enjoyed the interview as much as myself and Joe enjoyed recording it. Now... We've got another Lord. No, we haven't. We've got Ryan Keneally here for the betting segment of Gone to the Dogs. Ryan, how are you doing? Oh, I'm very well, thank you. I've never been called a Lord before. Got, got, <laughs> got quite a nice ring to it, actually. So we'll see. We'll see one day, one day maybe. But no, I'm very well, thank you. Looking forward to a really good card Saturday night. Yeah, it's going to be cracking, isn't it? At Hove, we've got a bit of action at Oxford. And then, of course, on Sunday, we're heading to Toaster. But we are going to start with the Regency, the Premier Greyhound Racing Regency. Thought that was a good place to start after our Lord Lipsy interview. First semi-final, Seas Trap 1, Swiper, 2, Jurassic Rose, 3, Savannah Queen, 4, Gutsy Jet, 5, Jack Tavern Magic, and Trap 6, Freestyle Sue. So, Joe, I'm going to come to you. Where, where did you look in the first uh, semi? Oh. Danny, why'd you come to me first for this one? I, <laughs> I really don't know, to be honest. This one's a really tricky heat, this one. Um, it, you know, anyone could win it, really. If I had to pick anything, I was really impressed with Jack Tavern Magic on Saturday, although he did run, you know, really wide throughout and gave up a lot of ground, so could be vulnerable. Um, but if he if he improves again and, and maybe, I mean, he's had plenty of looks at the track, so it's not like it was his first or, or second look. He was just very, very wide, but still... You know, he, he really strides clear and, and has a lot of good pace. So I, if I had to side with something, I, I might side with that. I was impressed in defeat with, with Freestyle Sue in Trap 6. Gutsy Jets got a chance. Savannah Queen. Jurassic Rose has been dipping under 42 seconds. 
uh, running over the six bends at Hove. So absolutely, she's got a, she's got a good chance. Um, Swiper's probably the one that that might be up against it. Although, you know, he nearly beat Space Jet on on Saturday <laughs> as well. But the times aren't there compared to the others. So um, yeah, anyone could win it. I'd, if I had to pick something, I, I'd probably pick Jack Tavern Magic. But I'm not going to have a bet in this race. That is for sure. Okay, so not having a bet, but Jack to have a magic, maybe. I was with Freestyle Sue. I was quite impressed by her run. Uh, got the 42 seconds bang on uh, last week and even got a little bit of a crowd as well turning for home. So, yes, she was only third, but I think she could improve on that uh, this week. Ryan? Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and I'd like to hope that there's the uh, going's as close to normal as possible. I think last week, I think it was minus 60 for the six bend trip. I made about minus 90. Um, I just think that a lot of the front running dogs, uh, whether the four bends or six bends dropped into a bit of a hole off the last bend. So I can definitely see some of the shorter running dogs running a lot better this weekend. I think Freestyle Sue did a 42 dead, as you mentioned, Danny. Uh, and I think that on a normalist track, I think that would definitely break the 42 clock. So I think that will go close. Jack Tavern Magic, as Joe says, um, runs so, so wide. Uh, you just think further into the competition, that probably might become its undoing as it gets, as it allows better quality of dog to get inside. So I'm going to go with Gutsy Jet. Um, I think that with a levelish break, I think Gutsy Jet's got enough speed to lead the inside dogs era. And then I just think that if you look at his time at Yarmouth, um, 40-19, Bill and Kilgarren Lime. Uh, Kilgarren Lime's a really strong dog, stay 750 at Romford. I think that if this dog can get his head in front, he will not be for catching. He's already done a 41-92 behind uh, Baggio's uh, Imoski. So I just think that in this kind of race, I think that if Gutsy Jet can get off the front early, I don't think he'd be for catching. Right, I'm going to put mention to Jurassic Rose as well. Um, if you look back to the start of the year, 15th of January, it was 11-08 favourite to beat Kachis. <laughs> we all know how good Kachis is. That was in the final of this Cesarovic. So I think um, Jurassic Rose is a really, really underrated dog. Um, extremely consistent. I think that's got a very, very good chance to qualify. So, yeah, I'll be looking at that maybe going forward for the anti-post or the bigger price uh, selection. But for this race, I'm on Gutsy Jet. I'm hopeful that we'll, we'll get a nice price. So I think you might get around four to one, nine to two um, on Saturday morning. So, yeah, a big price Gutsy Jet, but it's really, really wide open. Uh, and I'd expect Three Star Suit to come on for the run as well and hopefully a slightly quicker track. Fingers crossed it is not as slow, despite the weather forecast not being fantastic. Right, the second semi-final, we've got Trap 1, Roll-On, Sydney, 2, Lively, Lauren, 3, Bubbly, Scorcher, 4, Baggio's Champ, 5, Turkish Lira, and 6, Hopes, Woof Woof. And I think we're all contractually obliged on this podcast to go with Trap 2, Lively, Lauren. Joe? You're not. No, you're not. Obviously, <laughs> we just want honesty and, uh, and and good tipping on here. But to be honest, look, I think she's, she has got a really good chance. She ran, a, she ran a cracking race last week. She she wasn't out the best and and she had 59 um, on her outside and he was always likely to lead her. Whereas I'm not sure Roll on Sydney or or Bubbly Scorcher will, will, will have the pace to lead her here or, or Baggio's champ to get close. We're against Hopes Woof Woof again, who, who probably will and go outside. But obviously, you know, he didn't see the trip out and she went past him fairly easily off, off the last bend. Um, and if the track is similar to last week, um, then, then you'd hope she'd stay past him again. You know, the only worry is that that you've got to avoid roll on Sydney. He had a little go at fifty nine last week and was marked awkward. So I'm really hoping that she does clear him and and, and stays well away. Um, you have got the three fastest um, runs from the from the heats last week in in uh, Baggio's Champ, uh, Bubbly Scorcher. So those two did the fastest time in the first race, and then obviously Lively Lauren 
did the second, uh, sorry, the third fastest time. So it's it's not an easy heat. You've got Turkish Lira who who won as well, won won his heat. So it, it is tricky, but I'm just hopeful that you know she can get away level. She should get to the bend in front then, and then you know she's going to be hard to pass. In fact, she's never she's never lost while she's been ahead in the in the first bend ever in her career. So she can get ahead. Fingers crossed. And I was in, I was really happy with the way she stayed on last week because mm. we know how good she is off the front, but she she stayed on past 59 and hopes Wolf Wolf, who might not, well, 59 is the extract record holder at Oxford. So he certainly sees the trip out well, but she she just breezed past him and that's what I, what I wanted to see. So fingers crossed she can make another Cat 1 final. I, you know, I hate the two to qualify, as you know. I always say that, <laughs> but uh, it'll be great. And I'll be at Hove a week, a week Saturday if, if she does. Well, hopefully Lively Lauren does fire herself into the final next week. What about you, Ryan? <laughs> I've tried to find an alternative, but just but, but I just can't really. I think I, I do I do make Lively Lauren a fairly good thing, yeah. Uh I do think Hopes Wolf will come on. Like I said, providing the track isn't isn't as slow. I think Hopes Wolf have shown an awful lot of early pace last week. Um didn't really come away. I think Lively Lauren in 59 uh, did get the better stab, but Hopes Wolf have shown bags and bags of speed um for probably around five and 450 meters really so yeah i'd expect host wolf to come on because i think we definitely need turkish lira but yeah i'll just i'll just have lively lauren um hopefully avoiding one really early but if she, if she gets one of if lively lauren gets one of the better breaks then yeah she would comfortably clear trap one uh Baggio's champ would probably be the only fly in the ornament because it's if you look at his record he's reached a ton of finals in his career uh he's one of them dogs you just love to own um and can't seem to quite put two three races together in terms of the level he can but more than more than capable of putting putting in a ping break and then when he does get off the front then he, um, he, he won't be for passing in this competition but I'm going to go lovely Lauren, lovely Lauren just for the draw uh, I'd have Hope's Wolf Wolf then um, to come on for the run and I'll go Baggio's champ then to um, um, finish close second maybe third but yeah I think you've got a great chance there Joe um, I hope that you get the draw you need as well I hope that you get to clear room comes off safe and sound but yeah you must be extremely excited really um, going further in this competition because she's a credit to yourself she's credit to a, a credit to yourself she's credit to her um matty's obviously got a absolute fire in all cylinders so yeah uh fingers crossed for a ping break she will qualify with a ping break and then yeah let's let's hopefully you get to go down and cheer on for the final next week fingers crossed mate fingers crossed <laughs> everything crossed all the toes crossed everything for lively lauren on saturday night and of course the third semi-final well we've got track one savannah heros two the Superstar Space Jet, three Romeo Turbo, four Lightfoot Falcon, five Droopy Senorita, and six Ted's Dexter. Space Jet just sort of knows where the line is no matter what trip she's running over. She is absolutely sensational. She's our blockbuster dog. She should be promoted absolutely everywhere. And she just got up again last time out to beat Swiper by a neck. I mean, I don't know how she just knows where the winning line is, Ryan. Yeah, she's uh she's a phenomenon really. She's a dog of her generation as such. Um, they don't come round often. Uh, lot, lot. I completely agree with you. Um, it, the general public should know who Space Jet is really, but just because the way she runs, it. I mean, she's so easy to promote. Um, yeah, she she's just breathtaking. That run last week, I, I haven't seen a dog do. I haven't seen a dog weave its way weave its way in and out, and then check up on the inside just before the line and still go on the inside. Uh, and then get get her by her neck. Whether she does it over eight, whether she does it over nine hundred meters, seven hundred meters, six fifty meters, she just knows where that winning line is, and something clicks in her head. 
Um, she's the closest girl led champions we probably have because she does drop herself out. I, you probably, if I get this wrong though, you probably <laughs> back on because I'm taking her on and I've, I'm really, really, really sweet on a dog in this race and for the competition. I fancy Savannah hit track one, Savannah here, Ross, out of my brains, if I'm being honest. Um, <laughs> I think that he found all sorts of trouble last week when still beating Lightfoot Falcon. Um, he, he checked up, he checked up really bad at the first at the first bend. Um, but he's got an unbelievable draw here, being in track one and then being inside Space Jet. Uh, and I just think that he'll look after himself very early on. I think he can turn in the pitch. I think he'll be ahead by the third bend, and then that there's no. I, 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 even when I've said this in my brain, then that sounded silly, but there's nothing in the race that will catch Savannah Heros, in my opinion, once it gets to the front. I think it's run on the Derby final night at Toaster. Um, was breathtaking, really, because that's some really, really nice sorts in it. Ted Dexter, Bobby Scorch, and Tar Rupee. And yeah, they they they, they never look like get, uh, they never look like getting near him. So yeah, Savannah Heros for me. I'm hoping that I get. I'm hoping Space Jet makes a prize for one on Saturday. And, and if I can get a good prize, then I'll, I'll be having a good bet. But I've also bet Savannah Heros at seven to one for the competition. Because I think that if I've read it right, I mean, I probably won't, but if I've read it right, I think that Savannah Heros will win this race. And then as long as he gets a decent enough draw in the final, I, I, I'd have Savannah Heros no bigger than three to one in the final. So, yeah, I think seven to one anti-post. If you get in each way, just under even a minute, I, 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 I think that's a really good bet. I can't believe you're going against my girl, Space Jet. Joe? Are you dead to me as well? Yeah, I am, unfortunately. I just think, like, we know that she's a marathon bitch, absolutely stunning, but this is a bit on the sharp side for her. I thought she actually came away, by her standards, really well last week as well. Mm. She wasn't hanging about and she didn't drop herself out that that far. Um, I think when she comes up against, you know, a better quality of dog as she will this week and, and if she reaches the final next week, it's going to be harder for her to get to get past these, these dogs, um, you know, once they get loose from the front. So... I, I agree with Ryan. I think Savannah Heros has got a great chance, but the way I play this is probably lay space jet and just have the other five running for me because she's probably going to be quite a short price. And and I think, you know, you, you're, you're taking a chance with a running style now against some of these good quality six bend dogs who, who might get too far ahead of her. Um, certainly if she doesn't break as well as, as well as last week, obviously, you know, the time that she did, of, of course, because there was trouble and she had to swerve in and out, but the winning time of that heat wasn't, wasn't great. Um, so I, I just think she's one to take on at this stage in the competition. Um, and I'd probably just lay her, yeah. Danny, there's every chance come Saturday at around nine o'clock, you'll see a GoFundMe page for me and Joe. <laughs> uh, when Space Jet turns in a posse and gets up on the line, it will be send help, please, for us to try back balances. So, yeah, but look, what a race. Uh, yeah. Every race that Space Jet's in, you just, it's one of them you sit back and what and just enjoy what you're about to see. And you hope right. she qualifies. You really hope she qualifies because it'll make a great then occasion for next week. But yeah, I just hope that she comes second rather than first. That is it for the Regency. Coral Sussex Cup. We've got a couple of semi-finals there as well. One drive on lad, two Savannah Topcat, three Claire Keith Remy, four Queen Pink, five Wasted Monday, and six No Rush. Love No Rush. She thinks she's going to keep herself high and wide on the outside. She's the sole wide seed. She won uh, last week, uh, beat Queen Pink by half a length. There was no real trouble in that. And she's a really strong bitch as well, No Rush. You know, when she has... Um, when she gets, she wasn't quite on the bunny last week. She was behind Queen Pink, but she's a very strong runner in the closing stages. And I just think she's not going to encounter trouble this time around. And she'd be the one for me once again. I think she's usually underestimated in the market as well. She was six to one last week, which surprised me. 
did get a little bit of six to one as well, which is good. But I do think she might be a nice enough price again on Saturday. Joe. Yeah, I think she's definitely got a chance. She she ran a cracker, didn't she? I don't think anyone mm. expected Queen Pink to open up like she did. Um, she had a four thirty five split, um, but and you didn't think she'd get caught either. So it was an even better run for for no rush to to reel in Queen Pink. But Wasted Monday was a massive eye catcher, wasn't he? Um, last week, all sorts of trouble. Didn't get out well. Got got checked down the back straight and ran on strongly to to finish third by just uh, one and a half lengths to to Betsy's Bullet, who obviously won the um, Brighton Bow. So I think I'm just going to side with, with Wasted Monday here because, um, you know, if he's got any sort of clear run, it's going to see him hard to be beat, I think, based on based on that last week. It was mightily impressive. So no rush and Wasted Monday for myself and Joe. What about you, Ryan? Uh, no rush was actually one of my original anti-post bets. I think 40 to 1. Uh, I don't know. She's ever so consistent until she gets to a final. I think uh, she's reached five Cat 1 and Cat 2 finals uh, in her career so far. And, and unfortunately, so far, so far, she gets to a final and she just completely fluffs the start. Um, but she's ever so consistent. You just hope that at one point the penny will drop and she can just get them three, two or three runs uh, in a row. Um I've I've actually got quite I'm quite sweet on track two is Savannah Topcat. Um and, and I've I've bet Savannah Topcat anti post as well. I had a bet on it last night at eight to one. Other than um what's up Eva, there's nothing drawn, there's nothing drawn rails that could lead up Savannah Topcat. So if what's up Eva was drawn inside, then there might be an issue. But I think you look at runs at Toaster, uh where he won the competition on Derby final night, 2906 is a good time, beat Ballet Matt John. And last week, then the only reason he didn't re- he didn't win last week was well two reasons. One because the, the going obviously probably um, caught him out. The stronger runners came on, but also he had Fabulous Azora inside him, and he had to battle an awful lot um, to get past Azora. Then he got around the fourth bend, and then got picked up a length by Candlin Monsoon. I don't think there's there's well there's just not a Fabulous Azora um, in terms of early pace dog in the competition left really. So Savannah Topcat for me has got every chance here to get off the front and make all. Okay, Savannah Topcat and no rush, hoping for a good run from her on the outside. What about the second semi? Well, we've got one, Rathnagal Sid, two, Candle in Monsoon, three, Stella's Fruity, four, Havana Bailout, five, Ninja Kerry, and six, King Stevens. Now, it looks like Havana Bailout's race to lose, but what we do know is you can never rule out Ninja Kerry, Joe. Correct, yeah, Ninja Kerry was was maybe unlucky, well, was unlucky last week. Um, to get beaten by the by the six dog King Stevens here, um, I always say about Havana Bailout, absolute you know rapid rapid greyhound on a day, um, but inconsistent. However, she seems to be in good form at the moment and is showing that consistency. She's won plenty of her races recently, um, and she clocked a great time beating What's Up Eva, who loves Hope by seven and and three quarter lengths last week. So that's that's a serious performance, um, and it's hard to go against her, but. I think with her, if Havana Bailout can get out here yeah, and, and and give a bit of room to Ninja Kerry sitting in behind, I do think you know if the track is 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 tough again, then Ninja Kerry has the ability to to stay on and, and get past Havana Bailout. So again, I'm guessing at the prices, I think Havana Bailout will be pretty short here. But so I think you know a, a little bit of value, perceived value, I'm going to go with, with Ninja Kerry to reverse the form of King Stevens and, and maybe pick up Havana Bailout too. Ryan. Havana Bailout's probably the quickest dog in the UK at the moment to have not won something. Mm. Um, I, I mean, we all know how quick she is. When she gets it, when she gets it right, there's nothing in the country that can beat her. Um, but she again, she's just one of them, one of them bits at the moment 
well, well throughout her career, really, she just struggles for that, getting that consistency throughout competition. Um, she's she's got a really really good draw though. Um, on 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 Saturday night, um, I do make the race between four five and four five and six. Um, six. I mean, you look at six's point. I wonder if Rab and the owners are probably um a little bit annoyed that they probably sold King Stevens probably a little bit too early because obviously being a King free fix and stuff. Um, which is just come on loads. I think it was as a great at Central Party running good A one times, and then it's just taken to her really really well. Beating Ninja Curry last week, but I'm going to go Havana Bale out. Um, she's faultless at the moment. She's got a really, really good makeup. Um, there's every chance that if she comes away normal, she'll lead one, two, and three up, and then there'll be nothing for catching then. Uh, and then I, I would go Ninja Kerry then. I think if King Stevens wasn't to lead, he wouldn't be. He, I don't think he'd be a dog to catch with another dog. So I'll go Havana Bay that's a lead Ninja Kerry to keep showing that unbelievable consistent form and making another final. Okay, all in on Havana bailout, and I just love Ninja Kerry. Uh, right, we're off to the third semi final. Betsy's Bullet is in trap one, two Droopy's Google, three What's Up Eva, four Beggar's Bullet, five from Poster Pillar, and six, four from two. Got to go with Droopy's Google. I love the Malachy progeny, and Droopy's Google, very, very good last week. Uh, 447 split, wasn't the quickest away, but should be up there and turning handy around the first couple of bends for me. Four from two probably will lead, but I think we'll get picked up here. And Droopy's Google for Nathan Hunt, I think he's going to go far, so... I think he'll go into the final. And like I say, the Maliki progeny are strong running types. So Droopy's Google for me. Ryan? Droopy's Google is as fast as anything in the country when uh, when he does it right. Um, again, he's just another one that doesn't quite get it right all the time at the traps. Uh, if he was, then then he'd go far in every Cat 1 competition because he's a really, really fast dog. From from post to pillar, it's just a, it's a really head, it's a massive head scratcher. If you look at last week's run, I, I, I thought it had every single chance to win last week. And I worry for its makeup. Beggars believe trap four is an extremely fast dog to the bend, but keep keeps on doing that, keeps walking out and then pacing up. Uh four four two's got really good early pace on the outside as well for Seamus. Um and I just worry for five's draw. If, if he doesn't get one of his better starts again, I I'm struggle that I struggle to see how he's gonna get a clear run. Um, any sort of a clear run, then we know how fast he is. Like like he he'd win he'd win this race comfortably. Um, but I just I just worry. I think it's a really bad draw for him, and unless he takes an absolute flyer, so I am going to go with What's Up Eva, um, who I think is really consistent at the trap. She's got the most early. She wouldn't again. She wouldn't be having the fastest times, and she is quite vulnerable if a stronger dog was to turn behind her. But just the makeup of the race, I think What's Up Eva will lead, and I think there's enough pace in one, maybe six, then to get in the way of some of the stronger dogs. So I think What's Up Eva can get off the front here. Um, but it, it all depends really on what two does Droopy's Google. If he comes away, then it, then and if he can lead one early, then he's got every chance. And if five can somehow navigate its way around and get a clear run, then we, yeah, then we know it's probably the fastest dog in the competition and in the UK. But yeah, he's it's just a bad makeup for me at the moment. And if and I'd probably be a layer if he's anything around even money. What's a beaver then for Ryan Joe? I agree with Ryan about from post to pillars draw. It's going to be tricky again and might find a little bit of trouble. I am going to side with, with Droopy's Google. You know, really impressive over over two sub 30 second runs here. And it, it just ran a cracking race last week, didn't he? Um, I don't think he'll lead Betts' bullet or even what's up either um, personally, but I do think he'll be able to tuck in behind. And I think come, you know, when they're running up towards the second bend after the first, I think he might be able to just slip inside. 
um, and show his pace down the back straight and, and win here. So, um, yeah, I, I think Droopish Google um, has got a cracking chance. And I think from post to pillar, could you could find some trouble and it's top two to qualify. So, might be too much trouble to get to the final, but we'll see. With a clear, yep. look, I agree with what everyone said. With a clear run, if he doesn't find any trouble, he, he'll he'll win, won't he? But um, Drupal's Google is no is no mug at all. Do you know what I mean? He's a very fast dog. So two for me. One thing I'll add, I do not like the seeding for Trap One Betsy's bullet, um, and I don't remind myself there because I watched the replays last week. It, it does. She does not want to be in Trap One. Um, she really doesn't. She she, she will run at probably a lane three four. Um, so in fairness, I think for connections, they probably want Droopy's Google to miss it at church, avoid trap one early, and then mm. just then sweep on the inside because it, it's it's not a good draw for trap one. That no, so it could be a little bit of trouble around the first bend. Hopefully, we get a, a clean run race on Saturday. Right next up, it's my favorite competition, or one of them the Coral Springbok and the first heat sees trap one. He cars first. Two Glengar Scholar, three Hondo's Thunder, four Droopy's Chaser, five Droopy's Five Star, and six Distant George. I do like Distant George. In this competition, we've not got, you know, a Lenson Dooling in here. They're all quite new to the hurdling game. So it's who has shown the most raw talent or who has the most experience. And for me, in this race, Trap Six Distant George. 30-32 wouldn't be probably enough to win this, but he has got a lot of experience and he is. Uh, pretty consistent but I think he could be the one to um, qualify certainly in second place for the win though it's got to be uh, Icar's first on the inside because I was speaking to Donna Coney and she likes this dog over hurdles he's won a couple uh, of open races recently beating crafty San Diego he was third last time out and he did jump early on the fifth hurdle but that's what I mean with these dogs they're all kind of learning how to hurdle at the moment and I would forgive him that bad run last time. So I think he's got a good draw on the inside. He's won uh, both of his last two um, from box one. So I do think Icarl's first is the one to beat, but I would be looking at distant George to the outside as well, because Ricky Holloway, of course, trains hurdlers for fun. So one and six for me, Joe. Danny, I, I know nothing about hurdlers. I haven't <laughs> seen any of the uh, trials or, or any, or any, you know, racist. So I'm going to sit this one out and hold my hands up and say hurdles. No, no idea. Ryan, I um, Danny, I share your enthusiasm for the Springbok because I think that it gives dogs who may have may have a bit of a kink about them and may think it gives them a second chance as opposed mm. to just retiring them really early. And with that, then they get the opportunity then to carry on their racing career. And I speak for myself because I had a dog conquer all um, who and if. Third race last year, ran one more, got beat two lengths by um, Antigua Wolf Wolf. Um, when it's third race, when it's fourth race at Swindon, and then it's fifth race at Swindon, uh, an open race, he got disqualified um, for having a little chewing in the ear off the last bend. And, and my heart sank because, yeah, we had a high hope. So we spent a year trying to get this dog prepped for the for the spring box. We had four trials at Hove, and then we entered in, in uh, two trial stakes. And in the second trial stake, he got walloped out of the traps. And then flew down the back, but he was going at that speed where you think, oh, this is like chasing pace here. And you're just hoping that he stayed, he kept a straight head. And off the last bend, he has just chewed the ear off the dog and got disqualified completely. So if you're getting disqualified from a hurdle race, you know that you've got a bit of a, a, a bit of a player. Um, so I'm gutted looking at looking at the Springbok and being honest this year because I did have high hopes like that, that I may have the winner of it. I think the move to Hove 
I just allowed more trainers and most of the Southern trainers and central trainers to actually target a dog um, for this. And I'm going to go with, in this race, Droopy's Chaser. Um, I think that there is nothing for 460 metres. There was nothing faster in the competition than this. Um, again, though, he, he's just got that bit of a kink. But, I mean, if you look back to his run on, on the flats on the 12th February, where he beat Shockwave Onyx. Uh, I actually bet Shockwave Onyx that day, and Droopy's Chaser was a fair winner. Um, showing all sorts of pace to beat Shockwave Onyx. Shockwave, Shockwave Onyx is a really, really good dog. So Droopy's Chaser, for me, is as fast as anything. Didn't quite stay last week. But I think if he can come on for the run here, I think I think he's about like third favourite in, in that trial. I think bet him. Um, but I think he's got a great chance here to lead and make all. If Ickles first or Distant George would have turned very handy, then yes, they'd go close. But I just think Drupy Chaser has got bags and bags of early, probably the most early in the competition. And I think that if he can get further enough lead, he can go far in the competition. So yeah, for this race, Droopy's Chaser, I'm looking forward to watching it with a bit of a heavy heart because obviously the dog that I targeted weren't able to make it because he's an absolute raving lunatic. I mean, I shouldn't laugh, but <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, it's quite funny. <laughs> I was gutted, honestly. He, he flew down the back and I went, oh, you know what I mean? You just know that they're showing that much pace. You're thinking, oh, you, you're not even chasing it. You're chasing the dog in front. Yeah. And he's gone on the bend and just absolutely chewed his ear off. I was like, <laughs> oh, no. Heart sank. We go, we go again. We go again next year. Uh, right. Second heat. C is one. Ritzy Flyer. Two. Chippy Brady. Three. Trubby's Riley. Four. Mind Your Toes. Five. You're an Ol, And six. Bully Deputy. I love Ritzy Flyer on the inside. He's won his last two. He's got a good time, 30.06. He's beaten Coppice Fox and Be Hopeful. He was third behind Lentz and Doolin at Crayford back in June. No disgrace whatsoever to be behind Lentz and Doolin. He is a massive hurdles champion in his time. He's not in this competition. Um, but Ritzy Flyer for me has got the draw on the inside. Won't necessarily lead, but I think just jumps really well. Um, he hit the third hurdle last time out, but it doesn't stop them in the tracks usually. Um, he's quite an economic jumper. He doesn't get too high um, because some of them do, and then they lose all kind of momentum when they go too high over the hurdles. And Ritzy Flyer, for me, I think he's quite economic over them, and he should take the beating on the inside for me. Trubby's Riley is interesting because obviously in good hands with Ricky Holloway, but he's never actually raced over hurdles. He's had plenty of trials. He's fallen a couple of times. He's swerved a couple of times, but he apparently showed promise back on the 3rd of July. He's coming off the back of a bit of an injury as well. He picked up a niggle. So for me, he's a watching brief, but he's in good hands. So you can't rule him out, Trubby's Riley, in this lineup. And then Fiora Knoll, who beat Droopy's Chaser uh, back on the 8th of July um, here, had been behind Benny's Champ in a, a competition over at Crayford, but just keeps... His start for me isn't fantastic. He's pecked at the start. He doesn't quite get out of the boxes as quickly as I think he should, You know, he probably can, uh, Fiora Knoll, or could if he, he got his trapping boots on. And I just think it sets up for Ritzy Flyer because the others don't really have that much experience over hurdles. Mind your toes does, but misses the break on occasion. He'll be running on. So it just looks set set for me for Ritzy Flyer on the inside. Ryan? Yeah, this is this is a, this is actually a really good quality race. And I agree with what you said about Trubby's Royal. I think Ricky Holloway wouldn't enter a dog in this competition if he didn't think it had promise. Yeah, really, really tough race to work out this because I, th I think that one and two, Chippy Brady, uh, fairly matched. I think Ritzy Flyer's run last week against Coppice Fox 
was excellent. Cobbis Fox is, was an exceptionally fast dog over the flats uh, for Kevin Hutton. I'm just going to go with Fear and Noel, and it's probably my anti-post bet. I think six to one. Uh, I think his run against Droopy's Chaser last week was very good. You're absolutely spot on Danny Wehty. He does like a yard of early. Jumps really well. He stays all day. If you look at his four-bend form, he's run over further distances. And Pavani can just look after himself fairly early in, in, in this in this race. I think he'll go deep in the competition. You're an all then for Ryan and Ritzy Flyer. For me, our two anti-post bets going paw to paw in the second heat. What about the third one? Well, we've got Trap One, nearly Lager time, two Nandad, three Patterdale Zorro, four Crafty San Diego, five Be Hopeful, and six Coppice Fox. I like the way that Coppice Fox runs, but he can be a little bit awkward still. He was marked awkward back on the 1st of July. So he's certainly a quirky type, a Coppice Fox, but I was encouraged by... Uh, his second behind Ritzy Flyer because he did get a little bit of uh, crowding on the run-up. I mean, his trial at Crayford recently, he pecked on the first hurdle. He was at the rails on the second hurdle. You know, he, he's all over the place for me, Coppice Fox. And he doesn't get the best of the break, which is good because I think there's a little bit of early pace in this lineup. Patterdale Zorro's got a, a fair bit of early and beat Distant George by eight and a quarter in an open race last um, time on the 8th of July. Good time as well, 29.89. Uh, jumped pretty well on the whole, Patterdale Zorro as well. There's no comments, which means he was he did well. You know, if there's no comments in a hurdles race, you know that they've jumped well, they've jumped a clean race, they've not had any trouble and you're doing all right. So for me, I think Patterdale Zorro, from what I've seen uh, from him on the 8th of July, it was his first go over hurdles after a few trials. I think he could go well. And he's jumped well in trials as well with some of the comments. So... For me, Patterdale Zorro, he could be the interesting newcomer to the hurdling game here um, for Gemma Davidson, and he'd be the one I'd be siding with. Ryan? Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, Patterdale Zorro is actually the Antipose favourite, and you can see why its uh, debut on the 8th of July was extremely impressive. Didn't get the best start, but bags and bags of early. I think it was um, it, it, it ran over sprints um, uh, last year, over, or early in the year, over the four, over the sorry, over the flats, and yeah, he's got bags and bags of early speed. There's nothing in this race really on a level break that can go with it. The only worry would be then against better quality dogs. If he was to shorten up, would then the likes of Crafty San Diego be hopeful? Coppice Fox would they be able to get after? Him? If one of them got after him, it'd be a close race. But I'm just going to go Patadel Zorro. If he if he comes anything near a level break, he's going to go a long way clear in this race. And yeah, there's, and he'll justify the anti-post prize for it being favourite. So. Yeah, really exciting dog to watch here, Patadel Zorro, and then it's a case of what qualifies. You imagine Coppice Fox, as long as he doesn't, as long as he doesn't do anything too silly, he'd qualify, and then it'd be between four and five then for that second place. But no, um, you'd be like, you'd be all over really, Patadel Zorro, off a level break. Certainly should be with Patadel Zorro in heat three of the Springbok. The Coral Sussex Cup Sprint Trophy. So we've had a bit of something for everyone. First heat sees Trap 1, Bomb Out, Bullet. Two, Gonzalez. Three, Molly Made. Four, Kitmins, Greg. Five, Deanridge, Skippy. And six, Droopy's Roster. For me, sprints are not my strong point. Uh, so I don't think they're anyone's strong point, let's face it, when you've done it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So, Joe, I'm going to come to you first, though. Who are you with? Well, for me, the way to play this uh, competition is uh, I'm just back. Cortera, around about 94 at the moment. Only Labbrook's Coral have, have priced it up. I've um, got Gugain Jet in the heats, um, so obviously that's tough, but I expect them to both qualify, and I think that uh, that'll be shorter in the final. 
so so that's the way I'd I'd, I'd play the competition for the first heat. Um, I think Molly made would, would have a great chance here. One well last time, and then been running um, Kilara Ivy, who's who's in the next heat of this competition. Really close head half a length. Um, they've been going head to head flat out pretty much, but um, you know Kilara Ivy is a nice a nice sprinter, especially at Hove. So I think Molly made um, can get another win in a row here, two in a row, um, and beat these in, in the first heat. Okay, Molly made for Joe. Ryan? I always got bought up being told, don't avoid sprints at all costs. And <laughs> rightly, rightly or wrongly, as I've grown up, uh, there's definitely, I, I really enjoy watching the top-class sprinters. Mm. Um, I think that was the final, the, the national sprint final last year, I think, where I think, the, I can't remember the names of the two dogs, but they went they went head-to-head for like 300 metres, really good race. I think the race at Central Park as well, where the Art of Flash and Willow won, I think that was a really good good race. So there is, I think there is a place. Um, the only reason, I t- tell you why I like sprints. In terms of camera angles, you've got a really, in watching video replays, you've got an excellent angle uh, of seeing the dogs from traps to first bend. So you can complete, there's no excuse to see what's missed the break and what paces up well, whereas sometimes over four bends, we know what some of the camera angles are like. They can be a bit deceptive. So the only positive with a sprint, I'd say, for those who do watch videos, is you do get a fairly good angle then of seeing what does show the most early pace from the traps to the first bend. Uh, this race, I agree. Can I just say, Ryan, I wasn't slagging off sprints at all. I like sprints, <laughs> and I love what, and I love watching the top sprinters. I just, from a betting point of view, um, you know, it, they're they're tricky from from a punting punting angle. You know, they're very hard to get right. So, and I, I and I don't dislike hurdles either. I, I love hurdles, but I just when it comes to knowing the form and studying them, I just not enough hours in a day. Have you heard this guy backpedalling all the time? Oh, 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 well, Ryan, honestly, Ryan jumps honestly, in as it, and, and, and like, defends it. it as if I was like uh, slagging it off. So Joe, I, I can't, Joe, I can't hear you from all the way down there, Joe. Joe, <laughs> 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 Joe, I, I, I completely agree with you. By the way, don't worry, don't worry, Joe. Don't, you're safe. You're not going to have all the all the sprint trainers and owners coming for you. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, back to the eighty seventeen, the first heat. Uh, really, really, this is a good race. Uh, I'm gonna go with Gonzalez, uh, trap two at a price. Um, extremely, extremely talented dog. This um, and has flashes of brilliance. Really, whether it's trials or the one-off race, it's already done a sixteen twenty-eight round here before in a trial. Recently did a sixteen thirty-one. So, so I mean, the uh, dog can shift. It actually beat Molly's maid um, in a in a little final on the sixteenth of March. Um, was joining track one. If you look at the race last week, didn't really get any sort of uh, any sort of a run. The comments were crowded run up. Um, and he, he definitely checks after a few strides. But Matt Bullet for Blinder Green's an interesting one. I can't I, I, I can't imagine that um this dog will be running graded. So th- th- I mean if you look at his form around Shalborn, recent trials suggest it's gonna get better. Like I said, i I think if Blinder Green is going to enter this in the competition, she obviously believes that um Bob Bullock can run. But it's a tough race. I probably wouldn't be betting in this race. So I'll just be taking a chance on Gonzalez if I do get a big price. Um, if he gets it right, he's as fast as anything in in, in uh, this race. Okay, Gonzalez at a big price. Keep an eyes on Molly Maid and also bomb out bullets on the inside for Belinda Green. What about the second heat? We've got Trap One, Dean Ridge, Anton. Two Bonnie's Bolt, three Stone Park Bear, four Kalara Ivy, five Friday's Awesome and six Ballyoran Panther. I mean... Kalara Ivy, you can set your clock by really coming out of the boxes quickly. She's always quick to go, um, certainly over the two bends, and she's on a five-timer. So you'd be foolish, really, to try and take her on, Joe. Um, 
I'm not really. I think Friday's awesome has got a good chance here. Um, obviously, second to, to Dub Gaster at Toaster, 1593, which is good going for the sprint distance there. So it depends. Again, this is one who depends on the prices. Kalara Ivers obviously got a great chance, won four in a row over the, the two Bens at Hove. As I just said, beating Molly made three, three of those. But I think Friday's awesome um, has, has got a good chance. Obviously, you know, top, top quality sprinter. So uh, I just go with a five dog, I think. And Ryan? A dog that uh, has shown potential in races would be Bonnie's Bolt. Um, and, and this may be a really, really big prize. But if you go back to its form, as soon as 16.07, first up round toaster, good. But then it ran, it got beat a length and a quarter by Impact George. Impact George would be favourite in, in, in this level of race. And then it's run at Swindon. It was desperate not to make um, not to make the first bend. It nearly got inside Whiskey River. But Hedford Lad was in that race. So in terms of the quality of dog in that, and it's shown all sorts of pace. Trials haven't been great, though, so there'd be a slight worry there. Um, Stone Park, Stone Park Bear. The only reason that that didn't qualify uh, or, or get a nice run, sorry, in the Pall Mall on Saturday was because it had Rocco Joey inside and he just couldn't get round it. But shown an awful lot of pace in the first in, in the first round. So yeah, there's enough to take on Clara over here. Um, I, I just couldn't quite work, couldn't, couldn't quite work out the, the right angle for it. Um, so if Clara come, comes away, then it's got every chance. But I'd just be possibly at a big prices. Maybe take a chance on Trap 2, uh, Bonnie's Bolt, who has shown previous really good pace in previous races. And maybe Stone Park Bear, um, who's shown really good pace in the Power Mile recently, but just got just got an awkward draw being drawn outside Rioca Joey, who's as fast as anything in the country over that trip. So, yeah, maybe take on Clara Ivy at Trap 4. OK, trying to take on Clara Ivy, maybe with Bonnie's Bolt or Stone Park Bear. Bonnie's Bolt, of course, is the puppy in the lineup as well. August 21, son of Roxhome Nidge. What about the third heat? Well, we've got Trap 1, Rossa Rise, 2, Quatera, 3, Gugain Jet, 4, Hedford Lad, 5, John Dell, and 6, Swift Delilah. And arguably the two fastest dogs over two bends, Quatera and Gugain Jet, going paw to paw here, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. This is a really good race and, and Hedford ladders as well. Um, you know, this is top quality. As I said earlier, I, I think, you know, if I play Quartera, um, anti-post, win only, I just um, do that at, at nine to four, maybe get a little bit bigger um, and hope that, you know, um, he qualifies and, and beats Gugain Jet, which he has done before. Did a, did a trial, 1631, which is, which is decent. Nothing, nothing special, but hopefully we'll come on for that. Got a nice draw in two here. Um, and yeah, I, I just hope Katera will, will qualify for the final and then, you know, we'll be a little bit shorter than the, the nine to four that I've got. OK, Katera then hopefully to beat out Gugain Jet for Joe. Ryan? Katera is the fastest sprinter in the country. And if it can tidy up its trap in, there is nothing that that will beat it, including obviously the legend that is for Gugain Jet. Um, but Katera for me, Katera for me, honestly, it, it went toe to toe flashing Willow at Central Park. The downfall is though, it, it there does seem to be it's not the most consistent of trap uh, of of trappers at the moment, but if, if it, anything close to a level break, this dog is the real deal and it's seriously seriously quick dog, and yeah, I just hope that I mean I hope that two and three both qualify, um because you want to see the best dogs go at it. I think this is one of them sprinters Joe that we spoke about, sprint races Joe that we spoke about where it's just a really really good it's a joy to watch really the two fastest dogs um uh, go at it. Now that's nothing against the dogs. Like I said, one four, five, and six, all really, really fast dogs in their own right. But yeah, I'm really excited to see Quatera uh, moving forward. I, I think this is a real, I think the fastest dog in the country over two bands, maybe then even stepping up for your short four-band races as well. 
Uh, right, we're going to switch to Oxford now because we've got the Stadium Bookmakers Pall Mall semi-finals, the first of which sees one Hawkfield Ozark, two links Dasher, three links Maverick, four Milton Noah, five copies Tenzin and six Churchtown Annie. Well, we have got the uh, track record holder in Lynx Maverick coming out of three. Beat Eze last time out in the heats at a very, very short price. Lightning from the boxes, but... He's in against some tough opposition in Hawkfield Ozark on the inside, who I've always liked. Usually gets a quick start as well. I think he's going to be between those two as long as Lynx Dasher doesn't play gatekeeper here, Joe. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a real well, we're at the semi final of the Pall Mall. It's a high grade competition. Mm. At the start of it, you know, I was looking at the anti post markets, looking to have a bet. But to be honest, I fancied, you know, Ivan Exile, who, who'd run well, Hawkfield Ozark and, and, and Lynx Maverick. And they were all around about the six to one mark. And then you're just saying, well, you know, you're just picking one then. So I've, I've left it alone. But those three have really come to the fore, you know, in the competition, in the in the trial stakes and then the, the heat. Lynx Maverick versus Hawkfield Ozark. It, you know, it's, it's a mouthwatering clash. Coppice Tenzin's been running well, to, to be fair. Um, you know, broke the 27 uh, second mark, the last three runs, but has been beaten by by Ivan Exile last time comfortably. I, I just think Lynx Maverick has been ultra impressive, mm. um, and I just think he can get the start, and and then you know, and he should beat Hawkfield Ozark to the bend. I think based on what we've seen from him at Oxford, it, it's going to be whoever reaches that bend in front will win. Um, and I'm just going to side with Lynx Maverick here, but you know, I think those two should make the final along with uh, Coppice. Tenzin, um, and then hopefully set up another mouthwatering cl- clash with Ivan Exile next week in the final. Yeah, it's going to be absolutely sensational on uh, Saturday night. Lynx Maverick and Hawkfield Ozark. Are you leaning either way there, Ryan, or are you going somewhere totally different out of left field? Uh, no, I, I'm going with. I just like to say that this is a, this was a proper competition. This um, mm. you are like you, you are talking about. The fastest, sharp four-bend dogs in the country here have all entered this. And credit to Oxford for putting the competition on. Credit to Oxford as well, where it's due. It takes a lot of criticism, rightly and wrongly. Um, but for putting this on Saturday night as well, where you have to actually go and watch it, you have to go to the track. It's just old school. It's an old school proper competition where you're watching the best dogs go. Um, so full credit must go for them to, for putting it on. Um, I just think draws been races here. And Hawkford Ozark... Um, might not be as quick in terms of times on the eye, Lynx Maverick, but I just can't see Lynx Maverick being a length quicker to the bend than Hawkfield Ozark. Probably doesn't want to be in trap one. I think it might take a slight step out, but I think he's got every chance to lead Lynx Dasher up, who hasn't been breaking the best at the moment. So, yeah, draws win races and Hawkfield Ozark for me. It'd probably be my anti-post bet as well. I think it's 7-2, to 3-1 to one at the moment. Um, I think that's fair because if 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 he does get drawn trap one, then yeah, you could take an unbelievable dog to catch it. Um, Coppice tends him. It's only it's been it's won every single race since it's run uh, in the country, apart from twice where it's been beat by the same dog over an exile. So that's that's no disgrace. The forms there. Um, I think Connection would be really really proud of that dog um, to come over here. Uh, if there is any trouble on on the inside between the two, then. You look for maybe your Churchtown Nanny, who's got form over strong, um, uh, a further trip Swindon, uh, does run on well, but yeah, it's hard to look past really one and three qualifying here. And I'll just go on the draw, Hawkfield Ozark, but yeah, really, really good race. And yeah, if you can, please get down there on Saturday night and, and support these top dogs that are there. Second semi final of the Stadium Bookmakers Pal Mal coming up on Saturday at 8 50. 
two, where Trapuano's Mustang OJ, two moments of magic, three is sing along Stacy, four Eze, five Ivan Exile, and six Salt Hill Ranger. And I finally got Eze. I've got it. I've nailed his name now. He's not easy to me anymore. It's Eze. So trap uh, <laughs> number five, Ivan Exile, very, very quick out the boxes. Popped out, made all, beat copies tens in by four and a quarter last week in a very quick time, 28.651. Should be the one to beat. But he's got Mustang OJ, who also put in a 387 split last week and was just picked up by Sing Along Stacy. And Sing Along Stacy for me is a really good bitch and she's strong uh, in the closing stages. So if they do burn each other out in the early strides, Sing Along Stacy, I think, could be one to certainly qualify, I think, but pick up the pieces maybe if they do um, burn themselves up, Joe. Yeah, for sure. I do, I do think Sing Along Stacy could could qualify for the final here. You've got the, the three from the um, Heat last week, haven't you? Uh, Mustang OJ, Moments of Magic, Sing Along Stacy reopposing here and 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 it was a really messy race that was if you watch it back it was it was it was very messy and Mustang OJ has to go down as a little bit disappointing really because he was out in front and you know should have should have held on with what happened but couldn't quite but look has made the made the semi-final here unoriginally like I just cannot see past Ivan XR here he's been absolutely breathtaking I mean Matt's always said he's a summer dog he hates the winter he hates the cold he's got no interest <laughs> in running whatsoever and you'll see his best at this time of year and, and he has shown that form that he showed when he won the, the Birmingham Cup last year and he's been he's been excellent hasn't he so I, I can't see past Ivan XR you have got as a um, the former track record holder in four who I think will will come second as well um but um, yeah, just Ivan Exile all the way. Can you see him being beaten, Ryan? I can't know. The, the only thing that will get him beat is himself, really, if he if he just completely fluffs his lines, um, which I hope he doesn't, um, because he he is just a top top quality animal. Um, I think that explains it really. Because I was trying to work out, you know, when you go for its form, and he he did when he won the Birmingham Cup and the early runs at Toaster, um, when he gets Antigua Sugar, and I think the uh, one of McNair's as well. Um, the six, it was Ivana Lover, maybe. I think they used to go head to head for a while, um, early stage at Toaster. And you knew the dogs just had blister and early pace. And then it put it together, obviously, Birmingham Corp. And then just just dropped off, really. Um, and it explains then that when Matty says it's not a, a winter dog, and, you know, Matty Dartnell knows his dog better than anyone. So I was kind of a head scratcher before it came back to Oxford. But, and you were just kind of hoping, if you watched its recent runs, like when it first came back this summer, that you just hope that it just shows glimpses of its former self and yeah it, it's it's gone well beyond that to be honest yeah it's doing flashy times he's got all-round pace and yeah if if this dog comes away there's not a dog that can beat it because he he'd go toe-to-toe with anything uh especially over 450 i think even if he was to turn left closest to um ozak i think Ivan Exile would go past it because i think he is that good and yeah he's i can't see him getting beat in this race i think he's certain to make the final and i think it's just a case of what can finish second and third then for the um for the places hopefully hopefully ivan exile turns up in the same form that we've seen from him so far then we've just got our final um couple of races that's on sunday afternoon at toaster of course it is the juvenile classic semis Trap one in the first semi is Blue Mustang, two Droopy's Clue, three Righty, four Make It Flow, five Coppers Warrior, and six Chance Me a Jacko. So if I had to choose one, I'm going to go with Righty because he's just on a, a cracking run of form at the moment. He's improving with every start, every look round, and if he gets out in front, he, he stays all day. So that's the way I'm playing it, Ryan? Uh, Yeah, 
uh, really good competition, obviously, given the, the the younger dogs a chance then to run for and the owners to run for good money. Um, I would go with Droopy's Clue as well, just by being on the draw on the inside. Uh, Righty, I think, comes second in the gym crack, has then shown that it can do it over 462, tight track Kinsley, then went to Romford and won uh, a minor competition there, beat Clara Coco, which is a really good run, 35 28. It's a fast time at Romford. And then it's just took to Toaster really well. So, you, John Mullins in connection, you'd be excited for this dog going forward because it's shown its versatility. Uh, I just think that Droopy's Clue, though, um, probably the fastest dog in the race uh, over uh, if it was clear run. Um, hasn't hasn't really been able to set the world alight in terms of consistency yet. I think Connections would have um, been a bit disappointed, really, um, going back to go back to Derby, really. Yeah, well, I, th- I think they would have had fancy to go quite far, but I think it, got, it came up quite short in the first round, was walked out. And But no, it seems to have um, improved its trapping. So I'll go for Droopy's Cluria. And I'll just keep a little eye on Coppice Warrior as well. Um, Times wouldn't be the greatest. 29 34 is okay, but it's just been beat by New Destiny. There's no New Destiny in this race. So I'd imagine Coppice Warrior um, will come on and turn a little bit closer in this race because it hasn't got a new de- hasn't got to be chasing a new destiny. But now we struggle to see past Droopy's clue and right of here. But I'd go with five to get the third qualifying spot. Okay, two, three, five for the Tricast potentially. Joe, are you in agreement? Yeah, probably with the Tricast as well. I, I really like Droopy's Clue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think Droopy's Clue will win this race, definitely. He's got a nice draw in two. Should beat Blue Mustang to the bend and, and will be hard to beat. Right, he, he, I wouldn't say, I don't know, he's a real nice dog, isn't he? I, I don't know whether he's like underestimated or maybe hasn't got the respect he deserves. So, certainly not a, a dog that's talked about that much, but has done nothing wrong. Won his last four. Um, and, it, you know, he's, he's a proper greyhound, isn't he? And he's won mm. for, for staying trips in the future over six bends, I think. Um, so I think Wrighty will, will chase home Droopy's clue here. And I certainly think, I don't know what the odds will be, but two, two to beat three probably won't be the biggest forecast in the world. But I do think it is the most likely option here. Um, and then, yeah, I, I agree. I think Coppice Warrior can, um, can qualify as well. He's only one from from 10, but he, he has been running some nice races in defeat, as Ryan pointed out, behind New Destiny the last twice and, and running well. So, yeah, two, two, three, five as well again for me. So maybe mm. we should be all be plumping on that TriCast. Sounds like a plan to me on a <laughs> Sunday afternoon. Not got much else to do. I'm just up in Scotland with my mum. Uh, right, to the second uh, semi-final. Season track one, Droopy's prime time. Two, Bombay zero, three, New Destiny Four Ballymac John, five Coppice Rocket, and six Rapido Lady. All aboard, New Destiny Joe. <laughs> All aboard, yeah. I mean, um, really, really special bitch, isn't she? She's she's top class, beaten in the match race by Marie Champion on Derby Finals night, and that that was a cracking race and d- delivered what we'd hoped. Um, but I think you know, going to be very hard to beat here. Just not not even two till October either. So. You know, plenty of improvement to come, which is frightening. Um, I've, I've I've championed Bally Mac John a lot, and I, you know, over the podcast for the Derby, but he's been a little bit disappointing lately. Really, I mean, you know, beaten by Droopers Clue, Righty, Savannah Top Cat. You know, it, it, I don't know. I don't know whether he he maybe might need a little break or something like that. You know, he's 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 a good greyhound, but I just think it's all about New Destiny here. Um, you know, Rapido lady, shout out to her because she she broke really quickly last week and won well, didn't she? So mm. if she can break out like that, um, she she should definitely qualify. But um, I think it is all aboard New Destiny. Very exciting bitch and definitely one of the best pups in Britain at the moment. Certainly is, Ryan. Yeah, I, I'm just trying to, I'm looking again and seeing, is there any way that New Destiny doesn't win this race? And probably not. In fairness, I think New Destiny's best run was actually 
the run on the match race Derby final night because it's the first time where she has been headed and she only got beat a length by Marie Champion, who we know is as good as anything. Mm. Um, and I think that the way that she came back at Marie Champion, having been led, um, I, th- I think connections would have been over the moon with that because it, I think that she's a dog that going forward can do it both ways, um, in terms of leading and coming, um, turning from behind. There's just, there's just, I don't think there's anything in this competition. She's drawn the white the right way around uh, with Ballymac John, who it is an incredibly fast dog, but just lacks that yard of early. I, I'd imagine going for Ballymac John would probably be in time running over slightly further, just mm. so he can get races where he can turn a lot closer because he's just getting finding all sorts of trouble at Toast at the moment. But no, new destiny for me, just a, just a different class of animal uh, at the moment. And then, yeah, you're looking then really for what's going to qualify. Bombay zero. I mean, you're doing 23.67 at Romford. That's a seriously fast time. Um so you'd imagine Bob May Zero then um will be qualifying. And then yeah, it's just really a case of where Ballymac John turns. If he can if he can avoid trouble early, then you'd expect him to qualify. If not, then there is pace on the outside then with, with Rapido Lady and Coppice Rocket. Um so yeah, it's an interesting race in terms of qualifying. But yeah, I think you just sit back and watch New Destiny really. Um yeah, hopefully break that 29 second um barrier and on a fast track we we'll go close to doing twenty eight eighty. Exciting bitch is new destiny, daughter of Grangeview 10 out of Kunok Dolly, October 21, and trained by the master Mark Wallace as well. Can't wait to see her on Sunday afternoon. It's a right Sunday afternoon treat at Toaster this week. Right, that is a wrap. Right, Ryan, thank you so, so much for joining us on Gone to the Dogs. As always, it's been a pleasure, and um, I think we'll let you back on, even though you've taken on Space Jet. Uh, yeah, just listen out to your window Saturday night. Savannah Heroes takes a flyer and gets the mark, steals a mark, <laughs> and you will be hearing me. If not, then yeah, I'll oh, be nice. very sheepish. Right, that's it then, everybody. Thank you, Joe, as always. Yeah, cheers, Danny, and we'll uh, speak to everyone in a couple of weeks, won't we? It's good to be back. Thanks for listening to Gone to the Dogs, released every other Friday. For more info or to reach out on Twitter. Follow at Totally Betting and at Danny V. Jackson. Podcast produced and edited by Joe Andrews and Danny Jackson. Voiceover by Katie Harvey.